Hello and welcome. I'm Jules B., your host of Behind the Labels, a label-free podcast premium production. Go with me behind the scenes as I dive into the lives of our guests. Each episode will feature unconventional questions that invoke joy, sorrow, and sometimes silence. Come on in, take a seat, and let's start this conversation. All right, welcome back to Behind the Label, a Label Police podcast production, and I'm ready to have a conversation. So just keep in mind that you do have permission to speak freely. You can say whatever you like, so you and I can have this conversation. So let's get started with a little bit about you. I know that you are a consciousness and recovery coach, uh, and you have an extensive portfolio, and I'm sure you'll talk more about that. But your expertise or your focus is on healing men, not just healing men from just anything, but healing men from porn addiction. And so you talk about your own experiences of battling porn uh, for 16 years. Um, And you also had within that a struggle with drugs. You also had a challenging divorce. And so at this point, you bring your stories, your wisdom, and your experiences to inspire other people to leave that behind so they can be more empowered and live more fulfilled lives as men. Now, I'm sure there's more to you than what I just said, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to add to that. Well, you did a wonderful job of talking about the story, and uh, the story certainly has uh, some weight to it. Um, but the emotional toll of that long of an addiction and really just not even knowing who I am. And if I were to bring you to the deepest pain uh, that any person that is addicted feels, it's that they can't experience love in the way it's meant to be experienced, uh, not for themselves, for one, uh, not in their relationships. And through that, it creates a massive disconnect uh, to living in reality. Uh, I think that the another uh, one of the really difficult things about uh, porn is that you are creating a false reality, one that is so far away from what actually love and connection is uh, that it creates a huge hole inside of you. And what I like to say is what we avoid in our life creates a void inside of us. Is that with porn, you think, and again, this is just the wrong thinking, you think that this activity is going to fill you up, but the activity alone creates that hole to be larger and larger and larger. And so you crave more and more and more, not realizing how counterproductive it is to the fulfillment that you're searching. Wow. What I like to say is that the true addiction that all humanity experiences is the never-ending search outside of ourselves for fulfillment. And when that search ends up finding things like porn or drugs or alcohol or social media validation, I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, it ends up becoming something that is so detrimental to our soul. Yeah. From my experience, um, being very similar to many addicts that experience this, which is that uh, 
especially when it comes to porn. So, you know, I was 14. Uh, when I was 14, it was the year 2000. And in the year 2000, we moved from uh, dial-up AOL internet uh, to high-speed broadband internet. And I'm just a 14-year-old boy uh, from a upper-middle-class white American family. So, I mean, we had, like, all of the, you know, new computers and, uh-huh. uh, and new everything else. And, you know, I was uh, privileged enough to have access to that. But with that, I was also 14 and curious. And what I had been told about porn and what I had been told about sex uh, is that one, uh, you know, can have sex until you get married. Two, watching porn was bad. Uh, right. No really explanation except for it was a sin. Uh, and even more so, you know, masturbating or anything that had to do with the human body and sexuality was officially shamed. So what happens when you tell a child that they can't do something without it? Ex- why, right? It creates a curiosity, right? Oh, well, and this is just a reflection of what happens when our free will is infringed upon us. So our free will is our God-given right to choose. So if you tell somebody that they can't do that, as we've noticed actually with this massive awakening of uh, coronavirus, you know, in 2020, when we all went into lockdown, it created a massive awakening of questioning the government, questioning reality, questioning all different things. So that's what happened in a very minute way when it came to tell me not to do something or not to watch porn. So that is what drove me to watch it. And just through my innocence and my curiosity and also being a horny 14-year-old boy, this is what I found, I would have never have known that it would turn into a 16-year addiction. And what happened over that time was is that I started to become more and more disconnected from people. I started to have a false view, uh, especially when it came to women, of what who women were, but I didn't even really know who women were. Women were a what? Wow. Right? It was something that I experienced. What's the worst thing that you thought about women? So, interestingly enough, um, it's not something that's conscious. It's really, yeah, this is, so when you think about being hypnotized, right? So, when we uh, watch television, we're actually being hypnotized. You put yourself into a, uh, a relaxed state and you start taking in the information, but it goes into your subconscious mind. So you don't really know that it's influencing you. So that's definitely what happens with porn. I must have watched porn tens of thousands of times over this 30 years. So I am influencing and programming my subconscious mind. Mind isn't conscious. So it was very difficult to uh, find that while I was in the middle of the addiction. But what I can tell you, uh, you know, coming out of it at this point, it had me look at women as objects. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, that these objects that I would see in person uh, were not actually arousing me sexually. And what was arousing me sexually was watching porn. And this is the difference between what happens when we watch porn is that we actually activate a different part in our brain, which is the part of thought. And the really hard part for myself is I started mapping my sexual attraction to a image or a thought of a woman rather than experiencing sex with through the body with a woman. So I experienced porn-induced erectile dysfunction in my early 20s. Sure. In my early 20s, during what would, should be the height of my... Right, I mean, your sexual awareness. From, oh, yeah, you should be sticking and running. I'm sorry, I can't say that. I can't say it like that. Please forgive me. <laughs> you're, 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 
Because people can't just speak and express themselves and express what they actually feel. Well, let me, I don't want to play devil's advocate for a second, but I think about other, I think about other countries that don't have the same issues we have, and they're not necessarily sexually repressed. It's just the way that they've presented it. You know, you go to Europe and you see all the statues and different things like that, they may have something else going on, but not all societies are necessarily sexually repressed in the same way that we are here in this country. And in being so, don't have the same issues necessarily that we have. You know, the, the pregnancies and different things like that. I think that overall, it's just, it's not just the, a religious type of thing. Because not all things are a certain way because of religion in certain countries. I don't know if I'm making my point, but I'm just saying that I think that when it goes back to free will and different things like that, and you live in a country where most people are like, I have the freedom, I can do this, I can do that, then it calls or it it brings about different results than maybe another country that focuses on other things. So I don't know if it's, I, I understand that, yes, a lot of laws were built on religion, but I don't think that that's what's going on right now. But I hear you, though. I hear yeah. you. Well, I hear you, though. It's just uh, that there's there can be multiple causes. Right? So yeah. I'm just looking at uh, something from a higher perspective of this and what happens. Yeah. Um. And again, this is just my experience and the shared experience of a lot of the right. people that I've worked with, right? Right. So, right. 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 Yeah. Well, ultimately, I like to say that there are four walls of dishonesty, and these four walls of dishonesty are what uh, keep addiction alive. But these four walls of dishonesty are also what keep us from uh, experience being fully seen, fully heard, and fully loved, any human being. So the first wall of dishonesty is hiding. And what you hide... Uh, typically you feel shame about, right? So hiding is a symptom of shame. And inside of porn addiction, again, we create our own self-judgment about ourselves, right? The, the judgments of ourselves are what create this to be there. We feel shameful and guilty about what we're watching. And ultimately that shame keeps us from wanting to speak about it. So we hide it. But again, hiding just perpetuates the addiction from happening. Next one is lying, right? So most addicts are liars. They lie. Yeah. Um, and why are we lying? Well, we're lying to protect the addiction in a very insane way, right? We're protecting our own suffering. That's what's insane about it. Um, but we lie. And not only would I lie about my addiction, right? I, it wasn't really like I would lie directly about it, although I have, but that lying would be showing up in all different areas of my life. Right. Uh, Robert stories of how I'm doing, right? I would literally make up stories that I didn't experience. Like, it was just happening, and I was so unaware it was happening. It, it, the, these two combined, lying and hiding, is uh, brings you into this level of just being so disconnected from who you are. And yeah, I'm denying, right? So denial is another way that the addiction stays alive, but ultimately, whatever you deny uh, empowers it to have more of a hold on you. It's not that it doesn't exist, although we believe it doesn't exist. No, it continues to exist, and it continues to grab more and more onto you. And then the last one is trying. 
trying is dishonest because ultimately trying is not getting the result that you want to get. There's a difference between trying and achieving, right? Or trying and even doing. Oh. And we will talk, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying over and over again, but that's not true, right? Because ultimately you're not getting the result that you want to get. It's just a cop-out that makes you feel temporarily better. But ultimately long-term you suffer because again, you're not getting that result. So anybody that does inner work, if they just use these four grounding things of hiding, lying, denying, and trying, and you look at that inside of yourself, you can find exactly where you have created the walls around you that aren't actually who you are. And there's no place that that happens in the most intensity that I know about in somebody suffering with addiction. Yeah, yeah. So after saying all that, what would you say? When you think about everything that you've experienced, what would you say has been the most expensive lesson you've had to learn? I, that might sound crazy, but when you think about it, what was the most expensive for you? Well, the biggest lesson where I sit now is that uh, being able to understand that what you once regret, when you do the inner words, you can be grateful for. But if I were to say, again, that's just looking at all these different experiences that I've had that in the moment, I mean, at one point, you know, if I tell you one experience, one time, uh, the way I came out about my addiction is it was forced out by my wife. And what I mean by that is that uh, we were in my truck and she sat there and she said, uh, can I see your phone? I'm like, sure, but reluctantly giving it to her, right? So I give her my phone and she uh, pulls up my phone and she goes to my in private browsing and during the time uh, the in private browsing still saves searches and she goes there she gets searched and she brings it down and uh, she says what's this and of course there are my most recent searches from porn and I said I don't know that wasn't me and she said this is your phone who else could it be and I said I don't know somebody hacked my phone it wasn't me now while I'm saying this there's another voice inside of me that's really, really loud and say, tell her the truth. Tell her the truth. Then she asked me the third time. She actually said, look, if you don't tell me the truth right now, I'm going to leave you. And third time I said, it wasn't me. So the reason why I share that story for you is that at the time, literally when we got done and I'm driving home, like I wanted to go to the local Dick Sporting Goods and grab a gun and kill myself. Or oh, wow. uh, drive my truck into a tree like I my life was over at that point I mean I had so many thoughts and attachments to what my life was going to be with her and what we were doing that I, that I wanted to kill myself and now I did hear six to no, seven years removed from that and I'm so grateful for that experience because to know what it's like to not want to be here anymore in that intensity swung to where I am now which I'm so grateful to be alive how great so that you're alive too. To be able to have this story and to be able to serve other men. Um, so that's what I mean is turning regret into gratitude, the emotional alchemy of being able to see an experience for what it is when you acquire the wisdom and knowledge and experiences afterwards to be able to understand the divine design that God has planned for us. Yeah. Yeah. So what's good enough for you now? Well, to, uh, I don't want to Pick apart the question to me, say what's good enough. Um, yeah. Experiencing life in the present moment, and it's, it's more than good enough. 
is the most beautiful thing that I get to do every single day to know that I'm here with a, a purpose that I truly feel called to from God. And inside of that, uh, being able to serve the men that I serve every single day and without the care or worry, uh, not care, but worry, without the worry that it's not going to work. Yeah. Like millions upon millions of men are suffering from porn use, whether it's an addiction or whether it is affecting their relationships, uh, their business, you know, all parts of their life, right? It's just like it's happening. And we need to wake up as a collective to realize that, like, if we really want men uh, to be able to be the, and I'm going to use the word strong, and what I mean strong by this is to be open, vulnerable, and transparent about who they are so that they can lead from the space of courage. And in the side of uh, the, our society, we need men to show up that way. Now, to me, it's not yeah. gender bias. Because you need women to show up that way too, but right, right. this has really been an attack on men, right? And really being balanced in our masculinity. And where we are right now as a society, if we don't stand for something, if we don't stand for this part of it, I mean, the movie The Sound of Freedom coming out, you know, when you look at that, uh, the porn industry is the number three... Um, uh, channel for trafficking, right? Out of the different oh, channels that they have. Right? So it's this huge thing. And we have to start bringing people to the awareness. And there's just too many men that are hiding in shame and not bringing this water to it. It's not being able to be healed. So, like, that's what I mean by, like, I am so incredibly grateful to be here and to be able to talk about it and to be able to bring awareness to uh, this massive issue that's happening that no one's really talking about it because it's how the world heals and how humanity heals together. That's true. So, here's my last question. If you could relive one day in your life, but you could not change it, just experience it again, what day would that be for you as like? Wow. That's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, sitting on... Uh, in Zucker Park, so I live in Austin, Texas, so Zucker Park is a local park that's uh, here often. And I was sitting by myself, and I was looking out at the city. It's a beautiful scape where you get to just see the city. And as I was looking out, I was thinking about, I was thinking about currently where I'm at, and I could, it's like I could see where I was going. This is the best way I can describe it, is I was thinking but it was like my heart was thinking and it was like, uh, my heart opened up. It was all like Superman, you know, opening up his, his, uh, super. it was like that happened. And there's this vision came forward. It was like, I could see it so clearly. The vision and the calling was to do exactly what I'm doing now. The voice that spoke to me said that this is your divine path. This is the route to being able to do something in this world that truly makes an impact. And my ultimate uh, vision that I have for my life is to be able to take what I know and to be able to integrate modern practices of somatic integration and somatic healing and to be able to create real reform in the addiction recovery space. And it sounds like you will do that because you definitely have my attention and I'm not even addicted to porn. I'm, I'm thinking about what you're just saying and trying to apply it to some of the things that I need to do. So it's not just that, but it's recognizing that whatever it is, don't lie to yourself. Get some help. You know, you don't have to live in a world that's not going to be productive for you. Whether it's porn addiction or whether it's drugs, 
whether it's lying, cheating, whatever the case may be, uh, none of it is there to help you in any way. It's total destruction. And until you, till you get to the point where you know that, everything you try to do will crumble. Even though you won't even realize that it's falling apart. Because that's what those things do. They make you ignore the, the inevitable. They make you ignore what's really going on. So I appreciate you today because I tried to have a conversation about this with someone else and they did not want to have the conversation because they felt that their story was just too important to have that conversation with me. So it says a lot to me for you to be able to go ahead and have this conversation because it lets me know you truly want to help people. Because you know you're not the only one. So I appreciate you for that. I, I appreciate you for that. It's been my honor sharing time with you and being able to express my experience. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. And I, I also wanted to tell you that you know my heart goes out to you. I'm sending you lots of love when it comes to what's happening with your sister right now and sending your sister as well love. Oh, I appreciate that. I really do because things happen and you just, all you can do is take the baby steps until you can take the big one. And uh, that's what we're doing right now. So blessings to you. But in the meantime and in between time, keep in mind we're not as divided as we are disconnected. So keep connecting with people so you can make a difference. Thank you so much, Jules. You're welcome anytime. Take care. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Behind the Labels, a label-free podcast premium production. We hope this conversation has reminded you of the power of your voice and the importance of taking the best steps to live a more fulfilled life. Make sure you like, follow, comment, and share. And for more content, check out the Label Free Podcast with our fabulous host, Deanna. And remember, we all have choices. We all have goals. We all make mistakes. But it doesn't have to be behind a label.